Welcome back. We are glad you have chosen to join us for part two of Pastor Tim's message, The Parable of the Good Samaritan, from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, you just can't escape the application part. Yes, it is easy to find yourself in one or more of the characters to the story, but Jesus' application is, go and do likewise. We must get involved in the lives of others for the glory of God. Here's Pastor Tim. There are two more people that we're about to meet in these next two verses, in verses 31 and 32. One is a priest, the other's a Levite. We're going to call them passers-by, because that's what they are. That's all they are. They're passers-by. And I want you to see that they are indifferent. Now, they are pictures of religious people, religious leaders even. But they're religious people without a relationship with Christ. In essence, there's not a lot of difference between the priest and the Levite and the victim. They've been robbed. They've been left for dead. And they're dead in their sins and trespasses. And there's not one thing that those positions of priest or Levite can do for them to make them alive towards God. Not one thing. By the way, the priest and the Levites, you may be able to compare them with the victim, but you can also compare them with the robbers. You know, there's not a whole lot of difference between them and those robbers, except that they didn't have the change in their pocket. You know, they left this man on the side of the road. They left him without anything. They left him naked. They left him half dead. They were not interested in being involved in his life. And a religion without a relationship with Jesus will do just that. Let's examine them for a moment. Look, if you will, in verse number 31. Jesus said, now by chance... A certain priest came down that road, that same road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. (laughs) Now, priest is the person who is responsible for the rituals in that particular day, in in, in their religious system. They're some of the most important people in all of Judaism. And yet they're too busy. They find themselves self-righteous. They find themselves wanting to wrap themselves up in their own self-righteous robes and getting along with the rest of their day. They may say that they have this outward... uh, Uh, this outward religious experience that not only do they have, but they're able to share with others. But on the inside, they're empty. Jesus said of the Pharisees, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but you've got dead men's bones on the inside. A religion that's based on rituals will leave you hollow. He will leave you empty. You ever known anybody to say, 
you know what, my life is a mess. My life's a mess, and I've got some Christian friends. I mean, I believe in Jesus and all, so I'm, I, I think I'm just going to become a Christian. And what they mean by that is, I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to try to, I want to try to stop doing the things that are don'ts, and I want to try to start doing the things that are do's. Have you ever noticed that that doesn't work out very well for them? How many times have you talked to somebody and they say, don't talk to me about Jesus, I already tried that. No, they didn't. They tried religion. They tried rituals. But religion that's based on rituals will leave you just as empty as if you had nothing in the beginning. And that's the priest. In verse number 32, you meet another one. Look at what he says. He says, likewise, by the way, that's a terrible word to use after you see verse number 31. After this first guy doesn't do nothing. Likewise, you know what's coming then, don't you? Likewise, a Levite. When he arrived at the place, I mean, he does take it a step further, doesn't he? He came and looked and then passed by on the other side. He did exactly what the priest did. Now, the priest was the one who was in charge of the rituals. The Levite, Levites were called the custodians of the law. Their job was to carry out the more mundane task. They're the, they're the people who have to get to church early to make sure that everything gets done. You know, they're the people who come early because they have to open the doors and turn on the lights and turn on the air conditioning and get the, get the sound going and get the video going and get the music going and do all of those things to get ready for us to come in. That's the, that's the, that's, that's the Levites. You would expect that because they're so used to serving in those kinds of ways, that I mean that they, would, that they would at least have some compassion? That at least sort of their service nature might kick in? That they might do something? It's not at all. If religion based on rituals leaves you hollow that a religion that's based on rules leaves you hardened. It, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't soften our hearts to know the rules. It doesn't soften our hearts to know the Ten Commandments. You know, there's some people that will say, well, I, I know I'm a Christian because I keep the Ten Commandments. Number one, you don't. <laughs> Number two, it never was designed for that. It was designed to show you that you need a Savior. It was designed to show you that you don't measure up. What happens to this Levite is what happens to a lot of Baptists. Suddenly they become self-righteous. And yes, they may can't come like they did. They come and they look on this man. You wonder what's going on in his head. You know, Does he say anything to him? Look at you. Laying there all naked and stuff. <laughs> Getting blood all over the ground. You know, don't you know it's dangerous? You get just what you deserve. That's how the law treats people. 
you're in the condition that you're in because you deserve it. You're in the condition that you're in because it's all your fault. Now, are you culpable? Absolutely. But is that grace and mercy? Nope. It's not how we're to act, and it's certainly not how Jesus acts. But it's how religion leaves you. Don't let your, your relationship to Jesus be just your relationship to church. Coming on Sunday, getting involved in something, giving money to something, whatever it is, don't let that be the substitute for your relationship with Jesus. It'll leave you cold and hard-hearted. Now, now we get to meet a man in verse number 30 who the audience is going to think <laughs> is the worst of the worst. I mean, if, the, if a priest walks by the guy and just doesn't even look, doesn't even say anything, just beats the beat. If the, if the Levite comes by and says, hey, look at you down there, you know, and then just walks by, man, what's the Samaritan going to do? Man, the Samaritan's going to come by, and he's going to rumble through it. Well, he doesn't have any more pockets, does he? So he's going he's to find some. Maybe they dropped a coin, and we're going to steal something. Kick him while he's down. There you go. I can do that. You just kick him, leave him, and then, and then go on his way. It's not the kind of person the Samaritan is in our story. Do you know why? Because the Samaritan represents Jesus. Jesus doesn't kick you when you're down. Jesus doesn't steal the last little thing that you might have left. Jesus has come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. This is what I want you to know about the Samaritan. The Samaritan got involved. He got involved. And Christian, you need to get involved. You didn't get involved in the lives of other people who desperately need you. Even the people that you think are not your neighbor. People who don't, who don't talk like you talk. People who don't see themselves as the same gender that you see them. People who don't love the people that you think that they should love. We still need to show Jesus to them. No matter who they are, no matter where they are, no matter what they've done. It's our responsibility like the Samaritan to act like Jesus and to show people genuine love and genuine kindness. There's six different episodes in this passage. Six different ways that Jesus showed love and kindness to us, how the Samaritan shows love and kindness to this victim. Let's go through them real quickly. Number one's in verse number 34. I'm sorry, in verse number 33. So a certain man, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, that's the very first thing, he saw him. He saw him. We don't like to look, do we? We don't like to look at the needs of people. I mean, you, you know, you know that guy at the end of the on-ramp or the off-ramp is holding a sign that says that he's going to work for food. 
And you already know in your heart, good and well, that he won't. Okay? So what do you do? You get interested suddenly <laughs> in something over here on this side of the road. We just don't want to make eye contact, do we? We don't want to see them in their hurt. We don't want to see people in their pain. But the very first thing that the Samaritan does is simply to see him. If you are the person who feels invisible, if you are the person who feels insignificant, just to know that somebody acknowledges your life is the very first step in the right direction. You can't get involved with people if you don't really see them for where they are. Number two, he sympathized with him. He sympathized with him. There in verse number 33, it says, And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Sometimes we are so wrapped up in ourselves that we have no room for compassion. But the Samaritan's heart is broken over this man's condition. And our hearts ought to be broken over what we see in the lives of people. We see what they live in. We see how they live. We see the choices that they make. Our hearts should be as broken as the heart of God and have genuine compassion on them. Number three, he sought him. He sought him. In verse number 34, it says, and he went to him. He didn't wait. He didn't say, I see that guy over there. Now, if that naked man will get up and come over here, I mean, I got some bandages and I got some wine, I got some oil right here on my donkey. If he'll come over here, I'll help him. It's not what he does, does he? The people who need help, the people who are lost, the people who are broken. The Bible never commands them to come to church. But over and over and over again, the church is commanded to go to them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, we as believers, it's not just that we are to happen upon a need and then respond. Go looking for it. You ever hear somebody, sometimes you hear it in a movie or in a book that you read, I ain't looking for trouble, right? Well, we are. Let's go look for trouble. Let's go look for somebody in trouble. And actively, proactively, seek them out that we might help them. Number four, he soothed him. He soothed him. Look at this. He says, he went to him, in verse number 34, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. He bandaged his wounds. He provided for him everything that he needed. As far as he can help, he met this man's needs 
thoroughly. I mean, this is, a, this is a great display of what Christian kindness is supposed to look like. Which leads me quickly to number five. He served him. He served him himself. Did you catch that at the end of verse number 34? And took care of him. He didn't just ride him on the donkey to the local hospital, to the emergency room, and dump him off and hope that the, you know, that the doctors are going to come out and take care of him. I mean, if, I mean, if he'd taken him to the, to the ER, I mean, he'd done more than the priest and the Levite did. You know, I mean, that's something at least. But he took him on his own. He took care of him. For the rest of that day, for the rest of that night, he served this man in a way that nobody else could. And he did it for as long as he could. Now, verse number 35, the Bible says on the next day, he's getting ready to go, he's got to go, you know. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii. The denarius was one day's wage. So this is two days worth of work. So imagine what you get paid for one day's worth of work, and he's giving that now to this, uh, to this innkeeper. And he says, he gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. He sacrificed for him. He sacrificed for him. I mean, not only giving up these two days worth of wages, but to be able to tell, the, tell that innkeeper, if there's any more expense, then I'll come back and take care of that too. You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, and if it doesn't take two days worth of wages, when I come back, I'll get my change. You know? He's like a parent who gives his kid some money to go to the store. He ain't seeing no change, you know. He's not going to see any change, but he's not looking for it either. He's not looking to be repaid. He just wants to give. That's what we do, isn't it? We give. We give our money an offering. It's not just to keep some program going. We give out of obedience. We give out of gratitude. We give knowing that there are other people on the end of that gift who get blessed. We know that there are real genuine people with real genuine needs on the other end of that who need it. That's why the, that's why the old saying is, give till it hurts, right? Adrian Rogers said, don't give till it hurts, give till it feels good, you know? Because eventually it does. When you give in such a way that other people are blessed, it feels good, doesn't it? David Jeremiah said, giving until it hurts means that we have crossed the line between convenience and sacrifice. That's what this man's done. He has crossed the line between convenience and genuine sacrifice. Why don't we start acting that way? Why don't, why don't we start giving that way? Why don't, why don't we start seeking out opportunities that way? By the way, that's the point of the passage. When you get to verse number 36, we see that Jesus is still speaking to that, to that lawyer. You know, 
at the, at the end, the lawyer said, you remember the lawyer asked the question, who is my neighbor? So all of this that we've read from verse number 30 down through verse number 35 has been the answer for him to that question. Now in Jesus' favorite way of doing it, when you ask a question that you don't mean, Jesus asks you a question right back. So here's the question. Which one of these do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Was it the priest? Was it the Levite? Was it the Samaritan? This man, remember at, at one point he is, he's trying to uh, justify his own discrimination. <laughs> he can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. He says in verse number 37, he who showed mercy on him. Now here's the point of the passage. Here's the whole point of the message today. Go and do likewise. You go do this. If you want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, if you want to show that in loving your neighbor like yourself, then love people the way the Samaritan loved a stranger. Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Why don't you begin today by asking him, Jesus, what, what do you want me to do? How do I get involved in the life of somebody else? I mean, I don't want to crash down the door, you know, bust into somebody's life. But God, would you open up an opportunity that I might seek out, that I might invest in somebody else's life. Investments in the lives of others pays dividends in eternity. Isn't that what you want to do? Jesus, I pray that you'd help us to learn the lesson of the Good Samaritan you'd help us every single day to go and do likewise. That we might demonstrate that what really is in our heart is a love for God and a love for people that's based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Bless it. Use it to minister. Use it to save. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you... Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.